All right. Well, good morning. I know you're probably thinking, man, Greg is looking better today. Right? <laughs> okay, so I'm not Greg. Um, I, it was kind of funny that a few, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, um, uh, Greg asked me, he's like, Nate, would you be willing to speak on New Year's Day? And, and of course, I have so much respect for him and just love what God has been doing in him and his wife and, and especially what uh, their family's gone through over the last year and um, I mean, I, I, I didn't even think about it. I just said, absolutely, I'll do this. But then I'm like, but it's New Year's Day, you know. I'm going to be up partying the night before. It's, okay, that's not true. I have two two-year-olds. So we were in bed before midnight. It was, it's just how it works out in this, our family right now. But, um, so I want to go ahead and let you know if today was like, man, I came today for the first time. I thought I'd start 2017 off, and that just wasn't that great. Hey, th- it's okay. Come next week, okay? Uh, pastor Greg will be back here next week, and he's, he's our senior pastor and a fantastic guy, great speaker. He's starting a new series next week, and so I want to go ahead and say come back, and, um, and hopefully today won't be awful, but um, I'm, I'm excited to be here for you. But anyways, my name is Nate Holtz. I am the 180 pastor here. I've been here since the beginning of August. I love it. I'm from Bluffton, Indiana. I've been living in Ohio, and... Um, uh, Missouri for the last 10 years, and God brought us back to the area to be closer to family, and just excited to be a part of the ministry here in Muncie and Union Chapel and what God is doing with you guys, and uh, so I just want to say thank you, and, and thank you for welcoming us and our family here, and it's just been, it's just been really wonderful. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you about something today, um, and like we do every week, we stand for scripture. We're going to be looking in Galatians chapter 6, so if you want to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, will you stand with us? If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. You can, we'll have it on the screen for you. And also, I, like, I use my phone all the time. So if you have an app, you want to download an app, Version is a great app to look at. Um, and then here's what I want you to know. Keep it open. We're going to stay in Galatians 6 uh, for the rest of the message. Um, and so hopefully we can learn a lot from that. So here it is, Galatians chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 10. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instructions in the Word should share all good things with their instructor." Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. May God speak to us through his word today. You may be seated. Well, it is New Year's. How many of you made a New Year's resolution? How many of you are embarrassed to raise your hand that you made a New Year's resolution? <laughs> right? Okay, now let's, let's be honest with you, with ourselves and everyone here. How many of us at some point in our life ever made a New Year's resolution and didn't keep it? Right? Me either. Um, so... Um, 
It's, it's just so funny how New Year's resolution is going to be something. Do you, know how, do you know what the number one New Year's resolution typically is? Yeah, weight loss, uh, healthy, you know, healthy dieting changes, anything to do with weight loss and eating, right? It's the number one thing. Every year it's always the number one thing. So let me tell you a little bit about my story. Um, so I, uh, uh, I didn't grow up in church. You know, last, uh, last week was the, typically the only time I would come to church on Christmas, right? That was our family. Um, we, would go, we would go on Easter, and we may go afterwards if we felt guilty enough. You know, we needed to come back. Um, and that was kind of our family, and that's what we did growing up. So I didn't grow up in church, I, and that, that's a story for another day. I became a Christian in high school, and, and then my family became Christians later on. And so it's just really kind of a fun, uh, a fun journey that we've been on. Tough journey, but fun journey. And, uh, and I played baseball a lot. And, um, and so one of the things I got to do is I, I wanted to play baseball growing up, and then when I got to be an adult, or an adult, when I turned, you know, graduated high school, I decided, um, do I want to go into ministry? Because at that time, I started feeling God pushing me into ministry, or do I want to fulfill this dream that my dad had to become a baseball player? Now, I was good, but I wasn't great. Um, so I kind of I landed in both worlds. I attended Anderson University, and I started playing baseball at Anderson University, um, and I was getting my ministry degree, okay? I'm setting the stage. Now, um, when you're in a, a college sport, you, uh, it, it's like a job. I don't know if anybody in here has played a college sport. Some of you could probably can tell me if you've played a college sport. It's, it's like having a job. You know, you go to class, and literally the next part of the day, you're, you're eating and, and you're sleeping, like, or you're eating and working out and then sleeping, going to school, eating, you know, working out, sleeping. And that's all you're, you didn't have, you don't have any social life, you have nothing. Um, I, re- I remember times playing baseball that we would, we would have to be done by noon, and, and we'd get over to the workout facility, work out, then we would train, then we would practice, and then we would end up back into um, uh, uh, the gym area to lift weights and things like that, and then we'd have dinner. I mean, like, it, was, it was just crazy. And when you're on that kind of regimen, they even tell you what to eat. Are you with me? So I would eat all the time. I mean, if there was anything great about playing sports in college, I would just not stop eating. It was wonderful. I mean, it was... It was the greatest thing. I can remember eating large pizzas by myself and still look good. You know, I was like, it was one of those kinds of things that was going on in my life. Well, my sophomore year of college, I felt like God was saying, Nate, you need to, you need to start concentrating on ministry because, again, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know the songs. I didn't know the Old Testament stories like people who grow up in the church. I can't sing the songs. And so I felt like God was saying, Nate, you need to, you need to get out of baseball. Now, again, that's another story for another day. So I did. But you know what didn't change? My eating, <laughs> I can still put down large pizzas with no problem. The problem was is that t- the clothes started feeling a little tighter, and, and that just kind of continued on. You know, I got married and, uh, and, and ministry now, and when you're in ministry, you know, come on, as churches, we like to eat a lot, and potlucks were like, this is heaven. So, um, so it got to the point about in 2000 and. Uh, 2013, the end of that year, you know, through Christmas and Thanksgiving, I noticed that after I've bought new, cl- you know, I've bought new clothes and I've gone up a size, I, and I started like, man, my extra larges are feeling a little tight. There's a problem. Um, so I got on the scale and I weighed 250 pounds. Hey, <laughs> man. Okay, so I'm 250 pounds, five foot 11, 
And I thought, I need to do something about this. I can't afford to buy double X, okay? You know, I just, this is, it's not going there. And so I, I told my wife, honey, I'm like, I, I got to do this. And she's like, I know. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so I started, I started changing. And so what I did is I started eating lean meats and uh, uh, um, uh, um, uh, like vegetables and fruit and, and just drinking water and and as much as I like, you know, I was like missing my Mountain Dews and Cokes and, and all the fried foods, I thought, well, I started like, man, I feel better. This is, there's just something about when you eat healthier, there's something about you just, you feel better. You feel like you can get up the next day and go conquer the world a little bit, a little bit better. Um, so I got down to about 235 pounds and, um, and then I started to plateau. Then I'm like, man, I got to actually start working out. It's winter, you know, it's like... Uh, getting into spring, and I wanted to get into my swimsuit again. So I was just like, I, I thought, okay, I need to start working out. Now, at this time, uh, I'm serving in a church in Ohio. I, uh, I'm overseeing our youth ministry. I'm not actually a lot of hands-on anymore, but I'm overseeing our youth ministry. I'm now our missions pastor, and I'm the main Sunday morning speaker. So I'm like, there was so much that I had going on in my life. Uh, being married, and we're getting ready to become parents. I, so I got down to 2.30, but I realized how much time I was putting into this, and I just kind of stopped. I started, because I'm like, I just don't have time to work out all the time. Um, and then, you know, then I noticed, like, some of the bad healthy eating habits were coming back into play. And then in 2014, uh, the April of 2014, we found, that, we found out that we're going to be adopting a little girl. And, um, and we, we got her um, from birth. Um, her name is Ava. And I love her to death. But in June, I became a father for the first time I, uh, of 2014. My wife and I had been married for 10 years at this time. Uh, I mean, just the, our world was like completely changing, and we'd been selfish forever. And um, so June, we adopt her. And then in July, a friend of ours um, who uh, we went to college with said, Hey, I'm, I signed up to, be, uh, to, to do this mini marathon in Indianapolis in November. And, and I know my friend, I'm thinking, you're not an athlete, okay? Um, you're doing what? Uh, so, and then it dawned on me, she's like, well, I'm, I'm doing more. I'm, the reason I'm doing it is because I want to get healthier, but I'm also doing it for Team World Vision. Um, world Vision, if you don't know World Vision, is the largest Christian organization in the world. My brother-in-law, which is my wife's brother, is actually one of the head guys in World Vision. And, uh, and so we're very connected to World Vision already, and, they're, and uh, what they're doing is they're running, they're getting people to run half marathons and marathons or to do half marathons and marathons to raise money for clean water initiatives. Now, what you don't know about me is that one of my heart, uh, one of the things that my heart breaks for is poverty in the world. I just, it just does. I've already, at this time in July, I had already been to Uganda and Africa for two weeks, and I, and I saw firsthand uh, how much clean water initiatives are so vital. I've been to Haiti at this point as well, and I, I, I met people, and I've been in villages um, in Africa and Haiti where people have cholera. And if you know anything about that, you can, you, can, uh, you can defeat and overcome cholera by clean drinking water. And so my wife and I thought, you know what, we could do that. So then it, then it got me excited again about like this opportunity of getting healthy and working out and things like that. So I said, honey, I'm going to go out for a run today. You know, I'm going to try to do a two-mile run and see where I'm at. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm back at 235, right? And I uh, started to run. Um, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, uh, fast walking is what I should call it. Um, 
And it took me about 25 minutes to do two miles. Uh, I can tell you now that I still remember that day as if it was yesterday. And I, can't, I am so grateful that God made it rain during that time. Um, <laughs> It was an awful day, and I got back into the, and I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this. <laughs> I, just, I don't know how we're going to do this. And she's like, she's like, it doesn't matter. She looked at me, she says, it doesn't matter. It's just you're wanting to get healthier, and you're going to make a difference by doing it. I said, okay. So, and that's what we started doing. And we started raising money for our Team World Vision and the water initiatives, initiatives. And they gave you the schedule, and I, and I lived by this schedule. I just kept going by this schedule. And, and, and day in, day out, day in, day out. Now, she kind of ran in high school. For me, running is like torture. You know, it was, our, it was our punishment in sports. I hated everything to do with running. And so, we, uh, and so I just started doing it. And, and the, after a month of training, it says you should be able to run a 5K, 3.1 miles. And I thought, oh, that's not going to happen. But when a month got there, I was able to run 3.1 miles. And it took me about 34 minutes to do it, but I still did it. And then, and then it kept going. And in my mind, I kept thinking, I'm, I'm starting to lose weight. I'm starting to think, yeah, I'm starting to look better. You know, it's just like, you're starting to feel better. I'm eating better. Um, and I'm also raising money. Like it just, money kept coming in for this, this initiative to happen. And then I started thinking, you know, if I do this marathon in November, or half marathon in November, I'm going to be able to do, maybe I can run three and walk one, run three and walk one. And in my mind, I just kept telling myself, little wins are going to make a difference. Little wins are going to make a difference. Little wins are going to make a difference. I'm going to improve my life. And so I kept going, and then the next week I was able to run four miles, and then in two weeks I was able to go five miles, and then six miles, and then seven miles. And I started telling myself, oh my goodness, this is the farthest I've ever, what is happening? You know, like, I, I, I hate running, and I'm doing this. This is, this is incredible. And not only that, when we started, my wife was like ages ahead of me, you know, and then now I'm starting to run with her. I'm like, this is great. I'm like doing this, I'm doing this. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, but maybe, maybe if I can get to a point where I can run 10 miles, that's a victory and I can walk some of it. And then they say, if you run 10 miles, you can run a half marathon, right? And I did it. We ran 10 miles two weeks before the marathon took place and I beat my wife. <laughs> right? I mean, I thought that was even greater. I'm like, running. I'm like, come on, honey, let's go, you know, and we get to that point 10 miles, and then we do it, and then the day comes. Now, so two weeks beforehand, I, I, was, I had to fly to England and Switzerland. I was over there training, uh, training youth leaders from the Middle East and, and Europe, and uh, just an absolutely great time, but you, if you know anything about Switzerland, they have mountains, okay? So I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I've been running 10 miles. I can do this. So even if I can run three or four, I'm, I'm going to do this. And so I start running down this, because our, our, our hotel thing that we were seeing that was on, was on a, a side of a mountain. And I'm running down this mountain, and I'm thinking, I got this, and it's all flat right here. And then the trail keeps going, and it goes up. And I'm like, I, I can do this. And I start going up, and, I, and like four minutes into the going up the hill thing, I'm like, no, I can't. And then I turned around <laughs> and went back down. I thought, well, two miles is good enough for me. <laughs> you know, so if you ever want to train, get better at running, go to the mountains. Uh, don't do it right here in Flatland, USA. Um, so so uh, we, I get back from our trip, and then that weekend is the marathon. And she told me she was running with a friend of ours who um, ran in college and uh, um, was going to run the race with us in Indy. And so um, and during that time, I think she wanted to prove to him that she was a good runner too, and, and she actually hurt herself doing that. Um, but so we, 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 we didn't run for two days, and we're trying to take care of her leg. And she's like, I feel good today. I feel really good. 
And so we get up, it's freezing, right? It's the second weekend of November. We're downtown Indy with everybody else who's running the uh, Monumental. And uh, we have our World Vision shirts on and everybody else at the World Vision 10. We're like, we're all pumped and excited and ready to go. And boom, the gun goes off. So first half marathon, I'm running it. So we're running. We run by the Colts Stadium, which is really cool. Uh, we're running downtown, the Circle Center, and we just keep going. Two miles, three miles, four miles. Our time was like seven and a half to eight minutes at this point. I'm like, we're going way too fast. We need to slow down because I'm excited and she's excited. So we keep going five miles, six miles, seven miles, eight miles. And eight miles, she, she says, Nate, I'm starting to hurt really bad. And that's okay. We'll, we'll slow down. We'll, we'll slow down. And, we, and, I, and, we, and I said to her, I won't leave you in, in the race. We're doing this together because we've been raising money together. And not only that, but we're adopting a little boy from Ethiopia. And we're running for him. And our shirts say, run for Ezekiel. So we're doing this together because we know that our, we're bringing our son home as, uh, uh, soon as well. And we get to this part where um, nine miles, she's still doing good, but our time's gone down to about 10 minutes and uh, 10 miles, and she's looking, and she goes, Nate, I don't think I can do this. And then I looked at her, and I said, here's the deal, lady. We're three miles away from this. I'm not stopping. If you stop, I'm going to keep going, so let's go. Now, men, if you ever run a half marathon with your wife, and you tell her what to do, be prepared for the consequences, okay? She looked at me, and she goes, you just need to be quiet and keep going. And, and we keep going, and I'm like, this is good. And, she's like, and she keeps going. I'm like, good job, honey, good job, honey. And she doesn't, she's not saying anything back to me. She's pretty mad. And I'm like, and we keep going, we keep going. We're 11 miles, 12 miles, and we're like a mile out from this. And you can see the end because it's just straight, and you know what's happening. And so we get to this point where um, we're running, and, and, we're, and like tears are starting to run down our eyes because we're like, we just, we're going to run this half marathon, and we're bringing our boy home. And we raised over $1,500 for clean water initiatives. And we're just like, oh, my goodness. And we get to the part where we're holding hands and our friend, and we're holding, I'm holding his hand, and we run across the finish line to do 13.1 miles. And it was the greatest feeling of my life because, because I've seen it. I've seen what water can do, but I also see what changes can happen in our lives if we're willing to go that far, if we're willing to do what it takes to change. It was the greatest thing, one of the greatest moments I've ever experienced in my life. But, it, but the reason, <laughs> and I don't know where the tears came from, <laughs> it just happened. So the reason is because I believe that I knew who I was. And I, and I realized that what I had let myself get into, and I realized where I, where I had gone from there. My wife is the same thing. And I think that's why so many of us struggle with changes in general. Yeah, it's the new year, but I think the reason we struggle with changes is because um, we struggle to figure out who are we. Like if somebody were to ask you this question, um, uh, if somebody were to ask you the question, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself, right? That's happened before. Tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you typically do? You tell them about what you do, don't you? You tell them a little bit about your family, but you don't really tell them about who you are. And I think that we struggle with, to make changes in our life is because we don't really honestly know who we are. The question I, I think we need to ask is when we think of ourselves, do we really know ourselves? When you look in the mirror, do you see what God sees? Or do you see what you do? 
You see about that. See, I think there's a few things that, and there might be more than what I'm going to suggest today, but I think there are a few reasons that we all struggle to change. We all do. And I think that is one, we struggle with our relationship with Christ. I think we like Jesus as our Savior. I think that's true for a lot of us. Even if you're somebody in here who's still struggling to figure out if this Jesus thing is real or not, I think the reason we struggle with that is because we can't figure out who we are. And then the reason that we're trying to figure this out is because we're still struggling with our own identity and who Christ is. You know, a lot of times I think Jesus is great being our Savior, but to be our Lord is a total different story. To be the Lord in my wallet is a different story. To be the Lord of my health is a different story. To be the Lord of my decision-making is a different story. But hey, I like Jesus. I like that I can live eternally with him, but to be Lord? I think we struggle with that. And I think that's why we struggle with changes. And the second thing is I think we struggle with, um, with the outcomes of the changes. You know, uh, uh, the, the overall thinking of the changes. For instance, let me give you an example. When you decided to change your health, right? It's the number one thing, and it's one of the things, when you decide to change your health, why do we struggle with that? Because we don't weigh the option. Here's what happens when you begin to change your health. You have to change the way you eat. Well, who does that affect? Not just you. That affects your family. So if you're married, that affects your spouse. If you have children, that affects your children. So not only are you changing your lifestyle the way you eat, but you're changing the lifestyle of your family, and they start getting frustrated with that. Well, Nate, I don't have a family. I'm single. Okay, well, then that's going to change your budget, right? There's more about this. Then also, if you have a family, you want to work out in somewhere, that's going to change your time. Does, who, who sacrifices on the time? Is it your family? Is it your, you know, is it your, is it your spouse? Is it your children? Is it your job? And then the reason that we don't stick with these changes is because we didn't weigh the option of the change, that we want to make debt reduction, right? That's one of the things that Liz and I are going through right now, debt reduction. Well, what happens with debt reduction? You stop spending money. Well, what, do you gotta, what are you going to do? Well, to, to, you know, this is 2017, and I'm going to change the way I spend money. Great. Have you talked to your spouse about that? You know, honey, listen, you, you, can't, you can't drive everywhere, okay? I'm going to put you on a budget to spend. Uh, what? Right? The ch- uh, children, we can't do that this year. But we do it every year. We can't do it this year. I don't like you. But do you see what happens? When we change, and the things that we want to change doesn't just affect us, it affects the people around us, and when it affects the people around us, then we begin to struggle with that change, and then we ultimately give up doing what we wanted to change. It happens all the time. I'm a part of that. And so today, what I want to do is I want to share with you the scripture that we read and how it can change, because I believe in my heart that change is about perspective. I believe, I don't care if it's January 1st or July 1st, we all have times of the year where we really do want to change. And not only that, but we really need to change. And if we're going to change, it's all about perspective. And I want to kind of show you how it is about perspective. So if you have your Bibles, and if you kept them open, we're going to have it on the screen as well for you. But I want to make sure that we're, we're digging into this. Now, uh, in Galatians uh, chapter, uh, was it Galatians chapter 6, uh, the Apostle Paul, if you don't know who the Apostle Paul is, he was one time a Jew. 
Um, and not only that, he was a Jew who hated Christians. He was, a, he was a guy that murdered Christians. He captured Christians. He watched the first martyr we see in the scriptures uh, of those who, who started following Jesus. This was, this, was, this was Paul. His name was Saul at this time, but this was Paul. And then Paul met Jesus and had this life-changing experience and became the greatest missionary the church has ever had. I, I, I still argue he was the best that we've ever had. And, and, so, uh, and so Paul is trying to say, hey, Christians here, I need to help you with a few things. So if you're not a Christian sitting in here today, remember that he's writing to the church in Galatia. Okay, it's, it's, not, it's not to everybody, it's to the church. But if you aren't a Christian and you're thinking about becoming one, this is so good to listen in on of how you can begin to work this in your life after you know Jesus. And I'm gonna get into what I mean by that, okay? So Galatians chapter six, verse one, brothers and sisters. So there you go, brothers and sisters, this is to the church. If someone is caught in a sin, who, you who live by the Spirit should restore the person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Now, I think this is an interesting thought for a second. I, I just want to kind of stop here for a quick second. Um, this is hard to do, isn't it? Here's why this is hard to do. When we see brothers and sisters stumbling in sin, what do we typically do? Ignore it. Right? We ignore it. And then we talk about them behind their back. That... This is actually one of the reasons why people don't want to become Christians is because what Christians do. Paul is saying, hey, when somebody's stumbling, somebody's sinning, I want you to gently restore them. Those are you living in the Spirit. I want you to gently restore them. And most of us, if we're real with ourselves, we're like, oh, I didn't see that. Mm-mm, I didn't see that. Did you see so-and-so? Did you hear what they said? Did you see what they did last night on New Year's Eve? Yeah, we do that. Paul is saying, no, no, don't do that. Do you want, to, you want to live the way that Christ has called us to live? I want you to gently restore one another up. And then he says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Help each other. Love one another. And you know what? When you do this, you're going to fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what's the law of Christ? To love the Lord your God with everything and to love your neighbor as yourself. If, if the church grabbed a hold of this thing, you couldn't stop it. People would so badly want to be a part of this, even though they don't necessarily believe in this. They want to be a part of it because they see that we're taking care of one another. We're loving each other the way that Christ loved us instead of just ignoring it and acting like it didn't happen. Verse 3, this is, this is crazy. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. I like how the NLT says this. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourselves. You are not that important. I want to bring, I just want to kind of go old school so this. I didn't grow up in the church. I kind of like that old school a little bit. I want us to say that together. We're going to say that last line together. You are not that important. Are you ready? Let's say it together. You are not that important. Does that feel good? You know what? I want, I want to tell you guys something. You're not that important. You know what? Here, I want you to do this. I want somebody out there to say, hey, Nate, you're not that important. Okay, I asked for one person, okay? Uh, I get it, I get it, all right? You're not that important. Get over yourselves, right? It's just, it's the reality of the world we live in, but we think we're important, don't we? I always tell people this, whatever you're doing, somebody else could do your job just as good, if not better. 
There's always somebody else in this world, whether even as a parent, even as a coworker, as a boss, whatever it is, you are not that important. And remember that somebody else can do your job just as good, if not better. Which gives me the opportunity to say, thank God that God has put me in this place right now because for some reason that's where he wants me. But somebody else could do my job just as good, if not better. I always tell people this, if you want to be the best leader in the world, learn to serve those that you're leading. If you want to be the best leader in your world, you want to be the best parent in the world, you want to be the best whatever, learn to serve those that you lead. You know why? Because you're not that important. I'm not that important. All right, verse 4. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. That's good news, guys. If you're not that important, you don't need to worry about what other people are doing. Because you know what? They're not that important. Right? And if they're not that important, then you can concentrate on what God is wanting to do through you. And then you can rejoice because you did it with him. Right? Because we're not that important, but God still chooses us. Verse 6, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word, so the word of God that we're reading, should share all the good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Man, I got to 250 pounds because I was making the dumbest decisions of my life. I was eating the wrong things and I was eating a lot of it for a long period of time. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And here's the truth. Here's what I wanted to get to today. It's perspective. Are you ready? The reason that we struggle with changes and the reason we struggle with who we are as, peop as people in general is perspective. It's either I'm choosing to live for myself or I have an eternal perspective. Either I'm looking at the here and now and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm looking at the material stuff and I'm looking at this car that I bought and this house I want to get and this, and this education I want to get. Either I'm looking at this stuff as if like it's important to me and I'm important or the perspective is, is I'm looking at Jesus and I'm looking at eternity the whole time. And everything that I do in my life is represented in what he has in store for me. The reality is, is that I'm not my own. I was bought at a price so that the body that I live in right now, which is, I know is really weird to say, but the body that I live in right now is on loan. I am renting this. God has given this to me to glorify him. Not myself. But we don't think that way. We think of ourselves. We don't think eternal. We think the here and now. And the reason we struggle with changes and the reason that we can't make those changes, and not only that, the reason that we can't stick with those changes is because the change typically is about selfishness instead of glorification. Does that make sense? And that's the news today. And if we're honest with ourselves, maybe many of us could say, man, I am selfish. The reason I'm struggling in this life, the reason I'm struggling to, to like my parents, and the reason like, I'm struggling with my children, the reason I struggle with my job and the people that I work with, and the reason I struggle with finances and my health is because I'm only thinking about me, and I'm not thinking about why I'm here and who I am called to be. That's the key. But there's hope, right? There's hope. And that's what Paul gets into. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, 
at the right time. Listen, listen, listen. At the perfect time, you will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. And guys, come on. I'm kind of a realist, but we're Americans. We want it now. And that's why many people struggle with Christianity in America. You know how I know that? Because I've been to Haiti. I've been to Africa. I've been to Africa four times now. And I've met so many people who I could say, like, in the U.S., you would have been done with your faith. And they're, they're sitting here thinking, oh, it's the only thing that keeps me going. That's why we struggle in America. That's why Christianity struggles in America, because we don't know how to love one another. And we don't know how to help each other. And we don't know how to make the changes that God has called us to make. And we don't know actually how to be the church that God has called us to be. Because even in America, if we're not careful, the church looks at itself. It turns inward instead of looking at Jesus and keep from focusing on the fact that my life is eternal. And if I sit here and view that my life is eternal, and if the church were to sit here and look and say that my, our life as the church is eternal, then there's hope there. And people can see that, and people want to be a part of that, and people want to know that God has never left him. And if we don't give up, and if we don't give up, we will reap a harvest. If we don't give up, we will reap a harvest. And it says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So there's three things I want to leave with you today. They're really quick. Here's how I think that we can change. First of all, it starts with Christ. That's number one. It's got to start with him. Listen, listen, come on. Some of you, you can't remember like the last time you cracked the Bible, right? It's sitting at your desk. It's gotten a nice, nice inch of dust on it. You know, I've been there. I've, I've done, I got that. You know, I, you, you know what you need to do? You, the first thing that you need to do is you need to go home and go like this. <sighs> okay? Open that up. I would say I'd recommend John 1. Start there and read one verse this week, John 1. Hey, I want you to win. You need to start there. Some of you, that's where you need to start. Start with one verse a week. Some of you need to do, two, need to do a verse a day. Some of, you, some of you are professional Christians, right? Some of you, you, you're, you know, it's January 1 and you're in church. You know, it's right. I, I, yeah, I'm here. You know, so it's January one. You're in church, and you're you're part of Bible studies and things like that. But here's where you need to start with in order to follow Jesus, not to do the things that we do in the church, but you need to learn to tell somebody else about Jesus. For some of you, you can't remember the last time you talked to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, and that's the point of being a Christian. <laughs> We're to share the good news. And you can't remember the last time you shared the good news. Maybe that's where you need to start. It has to start with Jesus. Guys, and listen, at the end of the day, it's the greatest thing on the planet. There's nothing greater than Jesus. I'm seriously, there, there's nothing greater than Jesus. Somebody asked me, what are, you, what are you excited about heaven? I'm like, Jesus. If all, if all I get in heaven is Jesus, then that's all I need. You know why? Because heaven didn't die for me. Jesus did. And if heaven is where Jesus is at, that's where I want to be. Is that where you want to be? And if you want to be there, then you need to learn to live like Jesus did on earth and, rep and, and reciprocate what he did on earth. That's why we're here. You've got to start with Jesus. The second thing is, is then you can figure out what needs to change. That's the second thing. 
then what needs to change? Because I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not, just, I'm not just reading the Bible to read the Bible, but I'm reading it and I'm praying and I'm getting involved and I'm figuring out who I am in Christ. Now I know what needs to change. And maybe your health isn't the first thing that needs to change. Maybe being a better parent is. Maybe that's where you need to start. Maybe being a better boss is where you need to start. Maybe being a better student or a child is where you need to start. And that's what you and God are going to work through. That's the second thing. Then you need to know what you just changed. And here's the third thing. Do it. Right? Let's stop talking about it. Man, don't you get sick and tired of talking about it? I do. I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I want to go and change the world. You know, what put it on Pastor Greg's heart is 10 churches in 10 years. I want to do that. I, not only do I want to do that, but there's a community right here in Muncie, Indiana, and in Delaware County that are in dire need of people like you and me are in dire need of a church like ours to go and share the good news with them. It's not that we can't talk about it anymore. We got to do it. That's where the change happens is when you take the step forward. You know what faith is? Faith is an action word. It's not something that you get. It's something you do. That's what faith is. Faith is taking the step and trusting God's going to catch you when you fall. That's what faith is. You want to change the world? Do you want to change yourself? You do it by falling in love with Jesus. Then figuring out what you need to change because of your relationship with Jesus. And, and non-Christians, listen, listen, I've been there. I was in your seat. That's what you do. You can't change before you come to know him. He wants your mess and brokenness and all. You know why? Because I'm still messy and broken. I'm, I, I can't change that, but the Spirit can change that in me. And that's why I dove in. That's what it is. And for you, maybe your start is just Jesus. Just give it up. Let that change and then do something about it. You know what, guys? And the good thing is, is what would happen if you did? These seats would be full. We would have so many people wanting to get into a small group. We would hear stories on this screen. I'm serious. We would hear stories on the screens of marriages that are on the brink of collapse right now being restored. We would hear people talk about the relationship with their children has been broken, being restored. Listening to stories on that screen. We would see baptisms like nobody could fathom. People that we would never see walk in through our doors would walk in through our doors. We would be able to get into a community that you think a church should never be in, and yet we're right there. That's what happens when we fall in love with Jesus. That's, what's ha that's what happens when we want to follow him and change that things about us. And that's what happens when we actually do it. It's time to run a half marathon, right? It's New Year's. It's 2017. 2016 is in the past. We have a brand new year. We aren't to forget it, but we are to learn from it. And I know it might have been a tough year. And 2017 may be even harder but Jesus never said it was going to be easy. He just asked that you commit and be obedient. And that's my hope and prayer for you this year. And I want to leave you with that. We do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up.
Let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. I just, I'm, I'm so grateful that, um, first of all, I'm grateful for our leader, Pastor Greg. I'm grateful that you've given him an opportunity to rest and to be with his family right now and for Beth and, and, uh, um, and just, God, what you've been doing in their lives. I'm grateful for them as, as the shepherd of this place. God, I'm grateful for all the families that are represented in this room right now. I'm even grateful for those who couldn't make it. God, I just pray that changes aren't things that we decide to do just because we want to do them, but God, that we would choose you first, that change starts with you. God, I pray, I so desperately pray that we seek you and that we learn to love one another the way that you loved us. And not only that, but God, that then we would apply the changes that you have in our lives. God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the year that's coming. Thank you for what you did in 2016. But God, we are so more excited and we're so more grateful for what's to come. Even if it is harder, we're still grateful for what you're doing. God, help our perspective not be us, but you. Help us to think eternal. And we love you. And we ask all these things in Christ Jesus. Amen.